Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Investing with Steve Davenport and Clem Miller. Every two weeks, Steve and Clem bring you brief investment insights you may not find anywhere else. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Here are Steve and Clem. Hello and welcome to Skeptic's Guide to Investing. I'm Steve Davenport, and in this podcast, Clem Miller and I will be briefly discussing a big topic. Our banks investable. Of course, last year we saw the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and First Republic. These failures impacted the share prices of many regional bank stocks. This year, we're seeing some continued pockets of instability, most notably New York Commercial Bank. Clem, you usually don't hold any bank stocks in your personal portfolio. Is that because you expect widespread failures? No, um, you know the the issue for banks is not that uh, is not that a lot of banks will fail. Obviously, there's this, uh, a pr- mechanism with the FDIC that you know, ensures that banks, or at least depositors, are protected, and also the FDIC is involved in you know having larger banks acquire smaller troubled banks. So it's not a question really of bank failures; it's really a question of whether bank stocks are better investment opportunities than uh, than stocks that aren't banks. And I just happen to believe that that bank stocks are are not as great an investment opportunity as other uh, other types of stocks. That wouldn't have anything to do with your experience working for banks, would it? <laughs> no, not at all. So if the real issue isn't who will fail, but whether there are better stocks that you could select for your portfolio, do you have historical data or price performance for banks? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, so if you look at U.S. banks, and this is the, the bank ETF, uh, the one-year total return for banks is minus 10% uh, versus plus 23% for the S&P 500. That's as of yesterday. The three-year total return uh, for banks is minus 1.8% uh, versus plus 31.9% for the S&P 500. So a huge difference. Uh, That's not keeping up with inflation too well, is it? Yeah, not at all. And the five-year, uh, yeah, banks are up 11.37% uh, five-year total return. But this is against 96.38% for the S&P 500. So yeah, yeah I, investing in a bank is just... Uh, Investing in banks is just not as good as investing in the overall market, uh, much less some individual stocks. Yep, I agree that banks haven't been great investments historically. Why do you think that's the case? So listen, um, you know, investors really, they look at banks and they say, well, it's hard to understand what's really going on inside a bank. You know, it's asset liability management. Uh, the rates uh, they're charging, uh, the credit quality of their um, loans. It's very hard for somebody on the outside to be able to interpret those things. Uh, even the ratios uh, that people use uh, to look at uh, investments are different for banks than they are for other things. So really, I think most investors consider banks to be you know, essentially uh, black boxes, uh, that is very difficult to understand, and I consider them to be black boxes too. Well, it might be hard for many investors to consider them unfathomable black boxes. I think many banking analysts and 
rating agencies might disagree with you. Why do you even bother to try to analyze banks? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the thing about uh, bank analysts and about rating agencies is they actually get paid for analyzing banks. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, do you think that colors their characterizations? <laughs> no, I think it's, um, you know, it doesn't color their characterizations. But what it does is it gives the, um, I would say, the appearance uh, that banks are just as, uh, just as good an investment opportunity as, uh, as others, um, as other sectors. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I just think it's very difficult to analyze what's inside a bank compared to, say, what's uh, what's in some other industries. You know, the the Buffett and Munger and them said, you know, you got to understand what, uh, you know, what stocks, do, you know, are and do. And they spent a lot of time trying to to get into stocks and uh, and to understand stocks. And uh, I think even they have said uh, that banks. Uh, while some might be good opportunities, they're very difficult to uh, to understand. So I, I think we need to drill down a little bit on this black box characterization. I imagine one concern you have is a repeat of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. Can you remind us there what happened? Okay. So, so what happened there was that you had a situation. Okay, so Silicon Valley Bank uh, had a lot of loans into the tech sector, including uh, venture capital uh, and startups uh, in the uh, Silicon Valley area. And by Silicon Valley, I don't mean just geographically Silicon Valley, but you know the whole tech complex. And what happened was that a lot of there was a lot of problems with this sector, lots of which resulted in lots of very well publicized layoffs. A lot of these uh, companies started defaulting on these loans, and Silicon Valley Bank had to liquidate some of their investments, that is, their bond investments, uh, in order to um, in order to cover uh, these um, you know these defaults. And so, by liquid they, in liquidating these assets, uh, these bond assets, uh, they per accounting rules. What they had to do was mark down all the remaining bonds. And when they did that, they fell into a negative capital position and uh, and had to be taken over. Yeah, I think the information moved very quickly as well. I mean, that's what I was amazed at is that people could just go on their phone and click send and that cash comes out very quickly when they get worried. We're now seeing some problems with New York Commercial. What's going on there? So New York Commercial Bank uh, ha basically has two problems. Uh, one problem is that it had a lot of loans into the uh, rent-controlled residential space in New York. Now this is a problem because a lot of those uh, a lot of those loans have resets up to higher rates, and they just can't. You know the 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 uh, companies that rent uh, these apartments. Uh, out to the rent-controlled uh, residents, uh, they just uh, they just can't come up with the money to cover the the rates on these loans. So yeah, they're they're facing defaults on a lot of those loans. Plus, also, uh, commercial real estate on the commercial side uh, is uh, is having problems in New York thanks to the uh, 
the hangover from the pandemic, the move to return to office, hybrid, uh, you name it, lots of vacancies in uh, in office uh, real estate. And that's uh, that's an area where New York Commercial Bank uh, has a lot of exposure, as do a lot of other banks. I can understand lending in the rent controlled space seems like a little bit of idiosyncratic issue because that's specific to only a few banks. But I can see where commercial real estate may be a big problem for a larger group of banks. But can't you just look at the balance sheet to figure out their exposure to commercial real estate? Well, you might be able to figure out what the uh, the absolute number uh, volume of these loans are dollar value, but it doesn't tell you anything. Uh, the balance sheet doesn't tell you really much about uh, what the true value uh, of these uh, of these loans are. You know, what's the true value of the collateral underlying the loans? You know, how much will this have to be written down uh, if you've got defaults? You know, it doesn't tell you much about, you know, whether they're sort of rolling over these loans and what the terms are of the rollovers. There's a lot you can't figure out just by looking at a balance sheet uh, and even the notes to the financial statements, too. It's hard to figure out. Some value investors are attracted to banks because of their low valuations relative to stocks and in other industries, such as technology or healthcare. What do you make of this argument? Is it good value? Well, you know, one thing that you can look at is... Uh, you know, on the positive side, to give banks uh, the benefit of the doubt, uh, you know, you can look at banks' valuations relative to their valuations over time. So that's one way you could look at it. Uh, and but it's, I think it's inappropriate really to look at bank stocks as being cheap just because they're cheap relative to technology and healthcare. That's again because they're black boxes. That's because the opportunities uh, lying ahead for banks are less than those for tech stocks and healthcare stocks. Uh, and uh, and just because, you know, they're black boxes that are more difficult to understand. And so their valuations uh, are, you know, naturally priced down. So, you know, they may be uh, cheap, but cheap for a reason. I get the banks are highly regulated, but why isn't that a good thing? Shouldn't that make it safe for us? <laughs> okay, well, Okay, I would say I would say that, you know, from the standpoint of a depositor, bank regulations are good, uh, but not necessarily. And from the point of uh, point of view of society as, as a whole, bank regulation is good. Uh, but the problem is, is that regulation is not necessarily good from a shareholder perspective. And this is true in, in other industries as well. The more regulation you have the more difficult it is to, to actually, uh, really to actually make money. It, it has an impact uh, on the bottom line. It reduces the flexibility of management. Um, so what may be good for society uh, is not necessarily good for, uh, for investors. Let's imagine for a moment that you're an investor who is less reluctant about bank stocks. Would you be more willing to invest in the big national banks versus the regional banks? Oh, absolutely. The big national banks, big national banks, you know, are their exposures are spread out uh, nationally uh, and in some cases internationally. Uh, and so, you know, I think those, op, you know, those offer more diversified opportunities 
than say regional banks that are limited to uh, you know particular geographic exposures that might have you know weaker credit quality, weaker economies, um, or even if they're stronger economies, you know much more concentrated and reliant on particular industries such as the uh, energy industry. Let's look at our mailbag. Here's an interesting question. From an invest, investment perspective, what do you think is the best bank stock? Mine would, we have two bank stocks, both um, U.S. Bank Corp and Bank America. And I would probably go with the Bank of America because I believe that um, one, Moynihan has been through a lot. And I think that as a leader, he understands um, sending the right messages to markets and also um, being diligent about how he manages his costs in, in the bank. I also just like the um, overall coverage and areas of exposure. I'm not sure I want to be with the you know investment banking side. I'd rather have some people who focus. If I want to own a bank, I want to own a bank that functions mainly as a bank. Clem, what's yours? So mine is uh, is J.P. Morgan, or more, I should say, uh, Morgan uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. And uh, what uh, you know, whatever you think about Jamie Dimon, and he's quite a public figure. Uh, the fact is, is that this bank has the lowest short interest ratio of any bank or any, I should say, large or medium sized bank uh, in the United States. A listed bank. And, you know, that gives me some comfort. And in fact, I have held uh, JP Morgan Chase at times, uh, but uh, but I've sold it. And uh, right now I have no bank exposure. That's great. Um, thanks so much for uh, your insights, Clem. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning into our podcast. If you like our content, we would greatly appreciate your liking, subscribing, and sharing it with your friends. Again, thanks for being with us. The views shared on this podcast represent the personal investment views of the hosts. They are for educational purposes and not meant to be taken as investment advice. Listeners should consult their own investment, legal, and tax advisors. Past performance of any investments is not a guarantee for future return.